Yo, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We are on episode Nazem Kadri, baby, episode 43. Even though I don't think he actually wears number 43 anymore, but he did when he was a Toronto Maple Leaf, and that was the best Kadri. At least for me, anyway. I love Kadri as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show on this episode. We're going to be talking about that. I don't know if anyone's heard about this guy, but I don't know, some guy in Edmonton named Connor McDavid, he's kind of been playing pretty good over there, so I guess I should talk about him. Uh, we're going to talk about the the Buffalo Sabres imploding, we're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks winning a whole bunch, what the hell is that about? And who, okay, seriously, who's going to take that final spot? Does anybody even want the final spot in the wild card? Like, this is kind of ridiculous at this point. Nobody wants it, so let's talk about that. And what else should we talk about? We're going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. We will talk about, and I think it is that time of year again where I think we got to talk about the referee situation because, you know, it's just always an ongoing problem with the NHL. So, let's get into the show and where should we start? I think we should start with that Connor McDavid guy because, oh my goodness, man, this guy is tearing up the league in a way that we have never seen since the 80s. It is unbelievable. So he has cracked 60 goals. Take that, Austin Matthews. I apologize, but uh, McDavid's is more impressive. He's done it faster. He's still got eight more games to go. He could hit 70 goals. So that is the big question for everybody on their minds right now. Will McDavid hit 70 goals? I mean, it's it's pushing it. There's a lot of things that could prevent him from doing doing that. <clears throat> a lot of teams like to like to rest their their superstars, but I don't know. I think Connor McDavid might be a little bit of a different situation. I think that Connor McDavid has a little bit more sway, a little bit more pull when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers organization. I feel like how the conversation would go down, it's like, hey, uh, Connor, it would it would be really nice, wouldn't it, if maybe you would take a game off, maybe, uh, to uh, rest your body for the playoff run? So what 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 do you, what do you think about that, Connor? Would that be okay? And I could just see that that dead stare that Connor has, and he's just gonna look at them, he's just gonna shake his head a little bit, and they'll be like, okay, Connor, that's okay. We just thought maybe it would be okay, but it's okay. You can do whatever you want, Connor. So I don't think. Uh, Connor, if he doesn't want to sit down for those final couple games to rest for the playoffs, I don't think he's going to. If he really wants to go for that 70 goals, I think he's going to go for it. And with that in mind, I mean, if Connor McDavid has that goal in mind to hit 70 goals, I think he could do it as long as they don't sit him, which again, I, I feel like Connor McDavid would refuse that. And, um, yeah, I think 70 goals could be in his future, but, like, holy shit, dude. Like, when's the last time we had a 70-goal score? Like, that's got to be, like, 80s level or something, because that's insane. But Connor McDavid, man, that's just how absolutely insanely good he is. And not only does he have 60 goals, he just cracked 140 points. I mean... At this moment of me recording, he's got 60 goals and 80 assists. Like, oh, what a beautiful little stat line right there. 140 points on the dot, but like I said, he's still got eight more games to go. So the way that Connor's going, he's at about 1.5 points per game. So yeah, I could see him hitting 150. I think 150 is more in his sight lines for sure. Like almost, I would say 160 maybe in his sight lines, uh, but Again, I think 160 would be pushing it. That's 20 points in eight games. I mean, he is Connor McDavid, but he's not. I mean, that is insane. That's insane. So I will put the question out to you guys. How many goals do you think Connor McDavid is going to finish with? I want him to finish with 69 because that would just be hilarious, but also sad at the same time. I honestly, I would love him to hit 70 goals. That'd be amazing. That would just be so cool. Great story. Be really fun for the NHL to have. I mean, even though Connor McDavid is kind of on a, a level of his own, he is way ahead of the pack in terms of total points. But it would be really nice to see other guys hitting point level. Like, I don't know if we're going to have a whole bunch of guys hitting 150 points or anything like that. I think that's uh, for Connor McDavid. Maybe Connor Bedard when he gets into the league and starts getting going a little bit there. Like, I don't think Connor. Um, Connor Bedard's going to be, uh, like, 100 points might be pushing it even for his first season, but, I mean, give Connor Bedard a few years in the league to give him, get him some adjustments, let him settle into how long the schedule is going to be, and, yeah, I'm hoping that Connor Bedard is going to be hitting some levels of, like, 120-plus point seasons. That would be fantastic. Even... 
uh, Jack Hughes there in, in New Jersey. I can see him possibly getting up into the higher, uh, or I guess the lower end of the 100-point seasons, but like the 110s, maybe 120-point seasons could be in his future, as long as he can stay healthy. I mean, oh man, totally. But back to Connor McDavid, how many total points do you think this guy's going to finish with? Do you think he can actually go on to hit even another gear and go for 20 points down the final stretch and crack 160 points? That would be absolutely banana. I at this point I wouldn't be surprised at what Connor McDavid can do like him just slaughtering 60 goals this year like nothing like it was a big like Matthews getting it it was like it took the whole season right like it was down to the wire for him to hit 60 it was incredibly impressive super fun year for him uh, for me to watch Matthews hitting 60 goals but like I said, I can't I can't deny that Connor McDavid's is just more impressive, man. Like, oh my goodness, the way that he scores goals, so impressive. His shot is just so lethally accurate and just oh my goodness. The way that he can hide his shot, mask his shot, and it just really it's so hard to determine for a goaltender where that puck is gonna go. All you can all you can really hope for is that he misses I know I don't I he probably doesn't miss very much because his shooting percentage is out of control but he's not like he, Connor McDavid's not the only guy that is lighting it up in Edmonton but uh hold on before his shooting percentage right now is 18.8 percent oh my god dude that is absolutely freaking nuts wow <clears throat> And that's not even like that's not even out of out of the norm really for Connor McDavid he has a really good accurate shot so let's go and take a look at the other players on the Edmonton Oilers. Because there's other guys on the Edmonton Oilers that aren't uh, Connor McDavid. And there's a whole bunch of other guys on the team that are having really, really good seasons as well. I mean, we all know Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl always having a great season. Right there, 114 points. I mean, excellent season for Leon Dreisaitl. Probably going to crack 50 goals again because... Leon Dreisaitl, man, he's <clears throat> really, really good goal scorer. That would be his third 50-goal season in his career if he hits 50 this year. And then, I mean, what can I say about Ryan Nugent-Hopkins and Zach Hyman? Let's let's talk about Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. I mean, best year he's had in his career by far. I mean, I'm so happy for Ryan Nugent-Hopkins to, like, even though it's taken him, like, what, over 10 years or so to finally crack, like, start putting up the points that you would want out of a first overall pick. Up until this season, his best season was 2018-19. He had 69 points, giggity, in 82 games. He has not cracked, he has not hit 30 goals before up until this year. So this is his first 30-goal season, the first time he's cracked over 50 assists, and the first time that he's cracked into the 70-plus point seasons. And he is at 91 points in 74 games. I mean, what an excellent season for Ryan Nugent Hopkins and... I know that he, he's been getting some coverage, but I still feel like he's not getting enough props. Because I know because McDavid is there, he's doing the 60-goal thing. He's putting up outrageous points we haven't seen since the 80s. But, I mean, Ryan Nugent-Hawkins right there having an unbelievable season. And, oh my goodness, dude. Zach Hyman. Come on now. My boy. Like, I could not be any happier for this guy finding the success in, in Edmonton. Like, yes, of course, I would have loved this guy to remain a Toronto Maple Leaf for the rest of time. But it just really wasn't in the cards. But now that I've seen Zach Hyman move on, man, was that guy ever uh, an amazing player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And what a player he is. I mean, what an amazing player he is. he's become. And his story is so good. Like, he was kind of a nobody draft pick. And <clears throat> the Leafs pick him up in a, in a really a nothing deal. He was just kind of tossed in there. And he became this just excellent roster player. He became an everyday NHL player. One of the most just best complimentary players we had on the Leafs team during his tenure there. He was just so good at playing with superstars. And now he is over here in Edmonton having really just an excellent season. Last year he was good, but this year he is even better for the Edmonton Oilers. In 71 games, he got 77 points. He's over a point a game player. Like, I don't think... I don't even think, like, at any point Zach Hyman would have thought that he would have been a point over a point a game player in the NHL. But here we are, 32 goals, 45 assists, 71 points. I mean, 
Zach freaking Hyman, baby. Like, I love this guy. Like, good for you, Zach Hyman. I'm really, really happy for him. And then, sadly, like, everything else kind of drops off after those four players offensively. The next one up is Darnell Nurse at 40 points. And, I mean, Darnell Nurse having a fine season. The only problem is it's just that that contract is so darn big. I just don't think he's really... I don't want to use the word not worthy of that contract, but I just it's it's a bit of an overpayment. But he's still fairly young enough that he could. Well, that's not true. He's twenty eight. Never mind. I, I just uh, scratch that. But yeah, man. I mean, Darnell Nurse are really good. I, it's gonna help. It helps him out a lot. Helps him out a lot now that they have Ekholm there. So that's a really been an excellent addition for them. They got Evander Kane back and going. He would have, um, he would be up there probably in that seventy-point range if he just if he had a healthy season. He's only been able to play thirty-three games this season. He's got twenty-four points, so pretty darn all right, pretty darn all right. So, Edmonton Oilers, man, they're going into the playoffs. They are going in with that offensive heavy mindset. The real big question mark for the Edmonton Oilers is that that goaltending. Like, is their goaltending going to be able to hang in there for a playoff run? And honestly, I mean, Stuart Skinner, he is obviously going to be the guy. Just Jack Campbell, just really just a just a miserable season, man. And and again, I've talked about Jack Campbell and how much I really like that guy. I like him as a person. He's fucking so nice, but beats himself up way too much and he, he's way too hard on himself and it really just damages his confidence but Stuart Sinner will be the goaltender going in for the Edmonton Oilers me personally I wouldn't feel amazing about that but <clears throat> it's been proven in the past that you don't need an elite goaltender to win a Stanley Cup I mean last year Darcy Kemper won the cup fine goaltender is he elite not necessarily and Colorado won the cup because they were a deep ass team. They had excellent offense, excellent defense. So, and in terms of Edmonton, I would say that, yeah, they have the better offense than Colorado. They don't have the defense that Colorado did last year. It's just flat out don't. And when it comes to depth, I mean, come on. Like, the depth in Edmonton's just not really there. They have guys that can put up some points, but. I don't know, man. Like, they're really going to want that bottom six to step up big time when it comes to the playoffs. They're going to have to try and do something because teams are going to be keying in on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And easier said than done to shut those guys down. Very good chance that teams just won't be able to stop Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl. If you don't remember what they did in the playoffs last year, they had, like, they were both at, like, two points per game. It was outrageous. That was one of the most impressive playoff performances I have ever seen in my lifetime with Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl last year like that's the kind of performance like from two players that can win you a Stanley Cup and they're more than likely going to be doing the exact same thing this year I can see Connor McDavid putting up in in a seven game series I can see him putting up like 14 15 points easily like easily no problem so I don't feel I feel sorry for the first for the team that has to take on Connor McDavid in the first round it's not going to be fun, and um, yeah, man, I, it's going to be really interesting, like, if, if, if theoretically, if the Edmonton Oilers win the Stanley Cup with the way that their team is built, it's going to be very interesting to see how the league as a whole reacts to that Stanley Cup win, like, everyone's going to be like, oh, we can win with pure offense, it's like, mm, I don't know about that, man, because there's only one Connor McDavid, right, there's only one Connor McDavid out there, and not every team's going to have a Connor McDavid that can chart that, that can lead an offense so potent, so deadly that it could lead you to a Stanley Cup. Like I can't recall the last time we've seen a team win a Stanley Cup purely on offense. Like maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins when they won it, but only because their defense was so depleted with injury, they still had good goaltending in Matt Murray and and Flurry, so I don't know, maybe, arguably, those were the last Cups that were won, not solely on offense, but but a high percentage of that win was through offense. Anyway, I'm curious to know uh, if, if Edmonton, how far Edmonton can go this year. Like, McDavid is on even another gear this year than he was last year. Dreisaitl is still Dreisaitl. Nugent Hopkins is on another level. Hyman is on another level. Ekholm has been an amazing addition for them, so... Who knows, man? Edmonton can do even more damage this year. Last year's run, I imagine they learned quite a lot uh, playing against the Colorado Avalanche. So hopefully they learned some major lessons from that. And they'll be able to take that into the playoffs this year. 
it's going to be interesting, man. I, I can't wait to see Connor McDavid playing in the playoffs. It's going to be a treat. I would think it's going to be even more of a treat to watch him in the playoffs than it is watching him tear up the league this season so far. But absolutely unbelievable. And again, I will ask, how many points do you think Connor McDavid is going to finish with? I see him in that 155 area. I could see him finishing in and around there. If he hits 160, I won't be surprised, but I will be very, very impressed. Very, very impressed. I mean, that would be... Wow, that would be incredible. I'm already immensely if the, if he ended if he dropped out of the season right now and finished with 60 goals, 80 assists, amazing. What an amazing season. But that question would always be there. It's like, well, what if he f- played those final eight games, right? How many more points could he have gotten? But wow, dude, eh, fucking Connor McDavid. You might have heard of him lighting it up over there in that Edmonton place. Speaking of lighting it up, what the hell is going on with the Vancouver Canucks right now? Why are they winning so many gosh darn games? What is going on with them? They're supposed to be losing, man. Like, they're blowing their chances at at getting into um, the draft lottery with all these wins. Like, lately, I think they're like 8-2-0 or something in their last 10 games. They've been excellent. Since their their destruction, their, their owning of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they beat the Leafs. They won against Nashville, Anaheim, Ottawa. They beat Dallas 5-2. Then they lost to Arizona. Okay. They beat the Kings, who are arguably the hottest team in the league right now. Anaheim, again, lost to Vegas in a close one. Destroyed San Jose because they suck. Beat Dallas again. And then beat Chicago. So... That's a lot of winning going on right there for the Vancouver Canucks. What the hell is going on here? You guys are winning too much. And as it is in the standings right now, like they're still down there, but they're they're climbing up like out of it. Now they've they've definitely taken themselves out of a lottery position and they've kind of just gotten themselves into what I would say is the worst place to be in the league and you're kind of in the middle pack right now. Like you're not going to be in a playoff run like you're 7 points behind Nashville and they're 5 points behind Winnipeg for the final spot. So like no chance that Vancouver makes the playoffs, but Again, this is that false hope that Vancouver Canucks fans, I imagine, are so very familiar with. This happened last season with Bruce Boudreau and um, how amazing that run was with him. And now I don't, I, I, I don't think it's the same level of Bruce Boudreau, Boudreau them. But Rick Tockett has. It looks like he's starting to rein in that team a little bit. They're they're knocking off wins left, right, and center. They're beating some really. competitive teams and yes I understand the argument is that teams that are going to be coming in to play the Vancouver Canucks may not have the motivation uh to to play like a playoff team may be like well we're more focused on the playoffs right now we're not focused on the Vancouver Canucks and 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 whatever the hell they're doing right now when they're beating teams like Anaheim it's Anaheim Anaheim is uh absolutely awful this season I mean there's really no way to sugarcoat it they've been absolutely dog shit this year one of the worst defensive cores ever put on the ice I mean I feel so freaking bad for John Gibson I mean can we just let's just take a little sidebar here and let's talk about John Gibson I think John Gibson is still arguably one of the best goaltenders in the league that's my opinion I think that just over the years, he has been consistently shelled and put uh, and have a very mediocre to bad teams put in front of him. And <clears throat> year after year with John Gibson, I noticed the same pattern with him. Year after year, he starts out incredible. He is stealing games left, right, and center, picking up shutouts, and he's just playing out of control. But he burns out fast. Like, he's just, he can only be, he's only one man. He can only deal with so much that the team in front of him is just not helping him out whatsoever I mean I feel so bad for John Gibson and he's an absolute warrior man he's a warrior I got to applaud him and the fact that he just continues to want to remain in Anaheim even though for his career like it's not going to line up whatsoever like sadly John Gibson was listed to be the next goaltender in line. It was him or Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson was taken by the Toronto Maple Leafs, so Anaheim went with John Gibson. I still think that was the right decision for them, but man, like for John Gibson, like it's just a shame, man. Like if he was on a competitive team, if he was on like this dude could have won a cup, like who knows? There'd be so much better conversations surrounding John Gibson as a goaltender if he just didn't spend his whole career in Anaheim, man. Like if he if he, let's just say we flipped the script and he ended up coming to Toronto 
and then maybe he ended up in Carolina. Let's just say, instead of Frandy, Freddie Anderson, John Gibson went through that. If, if John Gibson played for the Leafs when, when the Leafs were pretty good, um, did, still didn't have a great defense, but he would have been the best goaltender that the Leafs would have had in quite some time, and I think he would have done very well in uh, Toronto there. So, And then if he moved on to... Carolina, that's one of the best defensive cores in the league, one of the best defensive systems in the league. He would have been a stud over there, an absolute stud. Like, it would have been amazing for him. People would be, he'd probably have Vesna considerations if he was playing for one of those teams. Like, yeah, it would be really nice to see him go on a nice playoff run. I just feel bad for John Gibson, man. So, shout out to John Gibson, man. Like, good for you. If I like, man, I just want you to win, man. I want, I just don't think it's in the cards. Like by the time Anaheim starts to get good, I would say they're probably looking at another, maybe three, maybe four years until they start to get competitive again. And maybe getting back into the playoffs, unless they get Connor Bedard, then we'll cut that in half. Maybe, maybe two years. And then maybe that's what he's waiting for. Maybe he's waiting to see if they'll get Connor Bedard and then he'll make a decision. Cause he's like, oh fuck, we get Connor Bedard, then I might as well stay. If they don't, then maybe he'll consider moving at some point. But that's my opinions on John Gibson. So back to the Vancouver Canucks. What the fuck are you guys doing? What are you doing? Like, ah, uh, if I was a Vancouver Canuck fan, Man, I'd be frustrated as hell. Like, this season has just been such a roller coaster of bullshit. Like, goddamn. I feel bad for you guys as Vancouver Canucks fans, but I'm honestly curious to 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 wonder how you guys are feeling about this. Like, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of false hope. It's like, oh, yeah, we're winning now because teams have given up on us. The league around us has given up on us being a serious competitive team. So we'll just have to wait until next year and... Hopefully it's not going to be the same boat that they were in this year where Bruce Boudreaux, they just, just missed the playoffs last year and everyone's like, oh, okay, myself included. I was like, oh yeah, Vancouver's going to be in the playoffs next year. Look at this team. They look great. Under Bruce, they're playing fantastic. Oh yes. And then that season happened. The season that we're currently in, they very much so didn't have a good time with Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux. Okay. And now... And they bring in another coach, they're playing really good right now, and is that going to carry over to the next season? I feel like a lot of that is going to determine with what they're going to do in the offseason, because Vancouver Canucks, even though they're not a playoff team, they don't have any money to play with. They got a lot of bad contracts on their team, and I don't know, man, there's a lot of guys that they could move off from still, so that, that could help them get some money in there. But now, all of a sudden, it really seems like they're in love with JT Miller all over again. Oh, okay, maybe not in love. That's pushing it. But JT Miller is at least playing pretty all right under Talkit. So there's there's that. Uh, Brock Besser has seemed to be finding his goal-scoring touch a little bit again under under Talkit. So I don't know. It's hard to tell because a lot of a lot of the time when a when a team gets a new coach, it they're usually going to start playing better, even if like they're not that good of a team. So I'm I'm not going to say that like oh Vancouver for sure is going to be in the playoff hunt next year like I learned my lesson <laughs> last season saying that so I'm optimistic about the way that they're playing but I'm not 100% convinced just yet it's the the best thing with Vancouver right now is that Thatcher Demko has come back he he appears to have found his game he's playing excellent so that's really good, man, because that one was kind of scaring me throughout this year. People are talking about trading this guy away, which, I mean, is still up for up for debate. Like, they could still potentially trade Thatcher Demko. They could still potentially trade JT Miller. They would love to trade OEL, Oliver ekman Larson if they could, but I just don't know if there's a team out there that's willing to take him. Tyler Myers, could they get rid of that contract? And like, oh man, like there's a lot of work to be done for the Vancouver Canucks in the offseason. They gotta try and figure out that defense. They the the goaltending seems to be fixing itself as we go along. Looks like Thatcher Demko, like I said, is back back and going, looking good again. So that's great for the Vancouver Canucks fans. But what do you guys think about next year for the Vancouver Canucks? Is this team gonna get back on track or are they just gonna have another mediocre middle of the pack season, which is not a good place to to be for a long time. You do not want to be there stuck in the middle, just barely missing playoffs, and then you're not getting a high enough draft pick to really get a talented player that can come in right away. Like you got to draft really well. You got to get kind of have to get lucky a little bit uh, to find a player that maybe would be NHL ready in the mid first round. It's very rare that you're going to find a player of that caliber there. So yeah, Vancouver's got to try and figure out a direction. What kind of team are they going to be? Like, 
they've kind of gone through the ringer this year. They were at one, I don't know if at one, at any point this year were they in for the playoff run, but they were a lottery team at points and now they've kind of climbed out of the lottery thing while all, a whole bunch of other teams are going into the lottery pool. So with that being said, the Buffalo Sabres, bro, they have just plummeted off of the face of this earth. They are done. They are done. They are we're not they are not going for the playoffs anymore. It's uh, well, I mean, they're still kind of there. Like they're there. But lately, man, they just they've been rattling off some really uh unfortunate wins or uh, losses lately, not wins. So they've had some really bad losses lately. Um <laughs> the one that really really uh speaks out to me is the 10 to 4 loss to the Dallas Stars. That's not good, man. You don't want to. They're getting. They got absolutely shelled right there. Then a seven to nothing loss to the Boston Bruins, followed by a seven to three loss to the Nashville Predators. So not good right there for the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah, March was uh, really, really rough for the Buffalo Sabers. I think here in fifteen games they won four of them. So yeah, that's pretty much the. The nail in the coffin for the Buffalo Sabres. And man, I was honestly rooting for them. I really wanted to see them getting back into the playoffs. I really wanted to see what the the Sabres fans would have done. Uh, how crazy their building would have been once they got to the playoffs. Like, Buffalo Sabres, I know it's been a long time since maybe we've seen that crowd. But Buffalo Sabres fans are wild. They're absolutely wild. When the Sabres are winning and they're in the playoffs, they have a great fan base. And... Honestly, I cannot. I will not blame the Buffalo Sabres fans for not showing up right now. Because, like, why the fuck should they? Like, eleven years of just trash years. The whole Eichel thing. Like, yeah, obviously, there's going to be a lot of uh, relationships burned and a lot of bridges burned with fans throughout the eleven years of just terribleness of the Buffalo Sabres. But right now, man they're looking good man like they're looking good there's a lot of things to look optimistic about they got these great two young great defenders and owen power and and darlene they got quinn they got who else is over there i mean alex tuck i fucking love that guy man alex tuck is like the heart and soul of the buffalo sabers i i still i love that that might have been one of the best trades that the buffalo sabers have ever done because like bringing in tuck was just that turned the whole franchise around i tells you i tells you but yeah, man, that stretch there where they lost lost to Edmonton, New York, Dallas, Rangers. They beat the Leafs, of course, because you have to do that. Then they went on and uh, continued the losing streak against Washington, Philly, Boston, and Nashville. So, yeah, man, if they could have won twice as many, if they were just like, they'd still be, they'd still have a pretty good chance at a playoff spot. But sadly, a really, really bad march kind of just sunk the Buffalo Sabres and what does it come down to? I think the Buffalo Sabres still need a little bit. They definitely need some more depth, and they need a little bit more help on the back end, and they could definitely use some help there in goaltending. Um, Uka Pekalukinen, he's he's fine. He looks like he could be the goaltender of the future, but they definitely could use some help in the backup situation. They still got Craig Anderson back there. He's still trucking. He's still getting the job done back there, but... Yeah, it looks like they're going to need uh, a, a, an upgrade on the in the net front presence. Comrie, I honestly thought that was going to be a slam dunk signing for them, and it just really hasn't actually worked out that that well, which is a shame because I I was really rooting for Comrie to kind of emerge as a, as maybe a starting goaltender in the NHL. That would have been wicked, but uh, doesn't look like that's going to be in the case for right now, but. Buffalo Sabres, I mean, they got a ton of money to play with in the offseason. Younger players are going to get better. And, uh, yeah, man, I think they it's going to come down to, it's going to be a very important offseason for them. It's going to be an important draft. See what they're going to do. I'm going to have my eyes on Buffalo for the offseason. See if they can make the right additions in the offseason to really make themselves competitive this year. It's going to be interesting to see what the Sabres are going to do. Do you think that the Buffalo Sabres will be a playoff team next year? Oh boy, um, if they can, they really, the big thing with them is they got to figure out that home record, man. Like that's honestly, uh, one of the big things that sunk them this year. They just could not freaking win at home. Like, um, I, I guess a lot of that is the fact that they're playing in kind of a half empty building most nights when they're playing at home. And if the Buffalo Sabres fans, maybe they come around next season, more of them show up. They stay, they have a really good start to the season and, rile up the crowd and start getting that building full again i could see the buffalo sabers coming back and and getting into the playoffs next year they just really got to figure out how to win at home man like they got to get that crowd coming back into buffalo they got to maybe make a big signing this offseason to kind of 
excite the crowd to get everybody back into Buffalo because I miss that, man. Like, I miss the Buffalo Sabres crowds being really crazy, really a lot of fun. So... I'm rooting for Buffalo to get back in there along with the Ottawa Senators. I just it's, it's always exciting to see a new team get in there cuz it's always like, "Ooh, what are they going to do now?" And like I like having the same teams in there as well so that we can we get that potential for rivalries like I, I mean, I would have loved to see Calgary play Edmonton again this season, but that's not going to happen, so it is what it is. Uh, but Ed, uh, Buffalo Sabres fans out there listening, if you, what do you guys think out there? How do you feel about your team for next season? I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, they just got to make the right decisions in the offseason, and I think they, sh- they could be a playoff team next season. And, all right, how am I going to transition to the next thing? Um, I don't really think I'm going to all that well. So, um, that final wildcard spot for <laughs> in the West, man, like, every team seems to be like, ew, I don't want it, you take it, ew. They're playing hot potato with that final wildcard spot, man. Like, it looks like it's it's Winnipeg's to have. Like, even though they, they had a terrible, just a terrible, like, last two months, they've just been funky monkey, man. Like, they have just been playing bad. The only thing that's been holding them together is Connor Hellebuck. And, uh, like, Nashville, they're 80 points, and Calgary is at 81 points. Um, Nashville, they still have a chance, man. They really do still have a chance, but um, they've just been dealt some seriously bad news with injuries. Matt Duchesne is going to be out. Roman Yossi's been out. Um, Saros has been out. So uh, it's it kind of seems like with that kind of... Uh, news coming out it seems like Nashville's probably going to be done they do still have two games in hand on Winnipeg and Calgary so they would have to go on a hell of a run down the stretch here without a lot of their best players to have a chance to get into the playoffs and then when if they do get in there I mean you're gonna have like I think I don't know if it would be Vegas or Minnesota waiting for you so I feel like that's what a lot of teams are thinking right now. Like, it's like, okay, if we get that last wildcard spot, how good is our chances at beating the team that we're going to face in the first round? Rather it be Minnesota, Colorado could take it, Dallas. I mean, honestly, any one of those teams, they're probably looking at it like, could, could Nashville beat Edmonton? Probably not. Could they beat LA? Probably not. Vegas? Probably not. Dallas? maybe but probably not so I think they're just gonna want they just rather have the better draft pick and maybe just have a a nice full summer off I don't know but yeah man just the way that these teams have been playing like the Winnipeg seems like they've just been they've opened that door they've opened every window in the house they've they've busted down a wall they could not open up the field anymore for a team to take that that final card from the Winnipeg Jets but Every other team is just like, eh, I don't know, uh, maybe, but uh, then there's that, oh, jeez, uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, nah. It's just been that for like fucking two months straight. It's like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Winnipeg looks like they're just going to go in there, probably get swept, because the way that they're playing right now is bad. They are playing bad, man. Like, it's bad. Shifley is just... Even Kyle Connor, man, like Kyle Connor is a guy that I can rarely speak shit about because even when Winnipeg is terrible, he's usually the one bright spot offensively. But even he has been quite quiet over the last little bit here. And and like, goddamn, man, like in the talk of uh, in Winnipeg is like the, the lack of playtime for Nikolai Ehlers. Like, what the fuck are they doing with that guy? Like, he is such a good player and they refuse to play him. So... Maybe maybe Ehlers is on his way out in the offseason. Dubois, are they going to trade this guy or not? Like, I don't know what's going to go on with Dubois. Like, uh, he wants out. He wants to be a Montreal Canadian, but I don't know, man. Like, it, just because you want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I think he's still a restricted free agent. So, yeah, it's it's really weird spot right now for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, it's going to be weird, man. Like, I don't think it's going to go very well for them. Like, they just haven't shown me anything, really, over the last couple months to show that they have any drive or real fire to have a good run in the playoffs. Like, at this point, like, they would have to go on a big winning streak from this point onward, like, have a really good stretch down the down the final stretch here, have a good run, maybe go, like, 8-2 and two or, or, I don't know, 74 games, so that's 8 games. If they can go, like, 6-0-2 or 6-1-1, that would be great. I mean, the only thing that they got going for them at this point, I'd say the Winnipeg Jets are only going to go as far as as Connor Hellebuck is going to drag them. And 
I don't know. Can Connor Hellebuck steal four games in a series? I don't know about four games. I'm thinking he could probably steal one or maybe two, but oh man, yeah, it's really not looking good for the Winnipeg Jets, man. Like, I'm honestly just, I'm a little bit disappointed because like I, I've been a fan of the Jets for a while. I feel like their team is good. Last year was just a big old disappointment and the way they were playing earlier on in the season had me quite encouraged. I was like, damn, they might be, they, they might be one of the better teams in the West and then yeah, they just kind of fallen off. It has not been a good second half of the season for the Winnipeg Jets. And the Calgary Flames, I mean, fuck, what can we say about the Flames? Like, it's still there for them. I really don't feel like they're going to take it. I just, I, I don't feel like either of those teams are going to take it, honestly. I think I feel like it's Winnipeg's problem to have at this point. That's what it feels like. It's like, oh, uh, the West just doesn't want to have that second, second wild card spot. They don't want nothing to do with it right now. So, Winnipeg, it looks like it's yours to lose. So, you're going to go in there, get absolutely pummeled in the first round, more than likely. But, yeah, that, that kind of sucks. Speaking of kind of sucks, um, apparently uh, this came out today that uh, from uh, Russian Machine Never Breaks, I believe. He's a very popular reporter in uh, Russia. But uh, it's been reported that uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov has, uh, he's requested a trade two years ago and he would still like to be traded. So that discussion is out there right now is Kuzi going to get traded out of Washington uh pretty interesting that he if, if that is true that he wanted out there a couple of years ago pretty interesting I mean Kuzi hasn't had a great year this this season he's about 30 years old now and uh, he's got a pretty hefty uh contract on there but I think a team could find some use for him, so it could it could happen this offseason. Uh, the Capitals are going to have some questions to answer this offseason, like what are they going to do? Are they going to try and do a rebuild? Are they going to try and retool? It's going to be interesting to see what the Capitals are going to do this offseason because they've been they've had Ovi the whole time, so they've always been a playoff team. With Ovechkin there, they're always going to go for the playoffs, but this season they're not going to make the playoffs for the first time in a long time very interested to see what the capitals are going to do in the future here so i guess another thing to mention is that uh rasmus sandin even though he started out really 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 good for the capitals he's cooled off a little bit so i mean i'm not rooting for rasmus sandin to um not become a good NHL defenseman, but I really didn't want him to become like i don't know like the next bobby orr or something and make the leafs look like an absolute just silly organization but yeah he's definitely cooled off a little bit there they got a lot of questions on the back end to answer like who is going to be on that defensive core next season I mean they got Carlson they got Sandine so that's pretty decent um yeah it's uh at least they got Kemper locked in for a long time so they're gonna have a decent goaltender back there for a while and um Dylan Strom likes to be there so that's nice and uh, yeah it's gonna be interesting with the Washington Capitals what they're going to do this offseason I'm thinking they're just gonna still and try and be as competitive as as possible within reason you know what I'm saying and I feel like if they're they're not in a playoff spot by come uh, by trade deadline next season, I feel like they'll be trading off assets like they did this season. It's only it's it's the right thing to do, man. Like if you're not going to make it, you might as well sell off assets that that you can sell off. It's it's the right thing to do. So as long as Ovechkin's happy and he has like, as, I think the important thing is here just to give him good enough line mates that he can still get a nice pass and he can still get his goals. Ovi could, I don't think he's going to hit 50 this year, but still another 40 goal performance out of Ovechkin this year is absolutely unbelievable. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Capitals are going to do this offseason. I'm expecting them to probably just do a little bit of a retool, pick up a player or two here and there, nothing too special, but, but I don't think they're going to do nothing. And all right, speaking of absolutely nothing, let's talk about the referees because they do absolutely nothing for this league. All right, all right, everybody settle down. All right, everybody, all right, rabble, rabble, rabble. Everyone get it out. Okay, it is the annual referee talk time. Let's let's complain about the referees, everybody. It's my turn. Here I go. So my thing is, why do we still have referees on the ice? Why are we still doing that? Why don't we have, we already have the guys in Toronto, they're already watching. They have a hundred fucking little cameras in there. They can see it from all these different angles. They they're, they have more eyes in there. You can put a hundred guys in that room. You can have a fucking 200 sets of eyes in there watching the games. And they won't miss stuff. On the ice, 
they're watching it from ground level. It's harder to see stuff from there. You you got two referees trying to manage 12 guys on the ice, trying to see everything. The game is blazing fast. They're missing things left, right, and center. They're they're stopping the game for multiple minutes to review something that was maybe a half of a millimeter on or offside. Like, who gives a fuck about offside? Why do we care so much about offside? Is it really that big of a fucking deal, dude? Like, seriously. Like, I don't get offside. Why is it that big of a deal? Why is it? Why does it matter if that guy was slightly ahead of the other guy? I don't understand offside whatsoever. Everyone's like, oh, if you get rid of offside, you're just going to have cherry pickers. Not in the NHL, you won't. They won't. You can't do that in the NHL. You're not going to have a guy just sitting up there at the blue line expecting a pass. This isn't the video game. This is the real NHL. They're not going to do that. So me personally, I hate offside. I hate it so much. I hate it even more now that we have to have these stupid fucking reviews all the time. And for the most part, it doesn't matter. Like it really, it's so such a small thing. Like with a game that is this fast and this frantic and chaotic, you should expect these kind of things to happen. Like, why are we trying to make it so that like it's just it's silly to me it's really really silly and especially when it comes to regular season games where most of the time they really don't mean all that much and they're gonna spend waste all this time trying to get it and like it really just isn't that big of a deal and miss calls i mean fuck they miss calls all the time and like they're missing calls because like they they don't play they don't call the rule book if they actually called the rule book there'd be a shitload more penalties and everyone's like oh well then the game would be it would just be power plays and power plays it's like yes at first for like maybe the first couple weeks it would be like that but they adjust players will adjust they will adjust it just takes time but the referees they're just i don't know what the fuck man like i hate so much about what the NHL does with the referees. The referees are rarely ever held accountable for anything that they do. They can virtually do anything that they want. They can control the games if they want to. If they're like, I don't like that guy, I'm going to send him to the box because I don't like him. They say that shit out loud. Like, we we heard the what the West Macaulay thing a couple years ago or whatever when he says I have to give him I have to give him a call there or something. Like, we know that the referee, like the whole penalty thing is rigged. It's all just a it's all to make it because every single game you go to, it's the penalties are always even. Oh, that team had three, that team had three. Or maybe at worst, that team had four and that team had three. It's like, oh, it's so, so, it's always so even. Like, makeup calls. Like, it's unbelievable, man. Like, me, in my perfect world, I want the offside there should be a sensor if it was freaking if it was offside, then like a little whistle or a horn will blow. Like, why are we trying to make it like human error is there we all know this but it's it's they're just the fans are not having it with with these referees so like just make it robotic get the freaking sensors in there for the offside you already have sensors in the pucks you have sensors on the players you have all these sensors so have the sensors call the game for us because we can't trust these referees they're way too sensitive they have personal vendettas with the players they have all this shit going on right and like there, there's stats out there for referees like there's um refs that call more calls against certain players there's certain referees that call more penalties against certain teams i mean i recall when the calgary flames were the most penalized team in the league because one of their players bumped into a referee and then they just went all over the calgary flames they even though that player wasn't even playing for them anymore they still uh what's the word i'm i'm punished the calgary flames for for do for touching a referee so oh we're gonna call all the penalties on you and then the toronto maple leafs for what now the last eight years in a row they've been the bottom five team for getting calls for refs won't call penalties for the toronto maple leafs because if you call a fucking penalty for the toronto maple leafs you get yelled at by everybody like oh here we go again making sure that the toronto maple leafs win as usual yeah because yeah the leafs have won everything right since 1967 for fuck's sakes i hate these people so referees i think we should just get rid of them get rid of them get them off the ice they're in the way they're not they're just getting in the way. We've had numerous freaking plays where it goes off the referee, goes right to the other team, goes right into the net. Oops, oh well, I was in the way, my bad. Go fuck yourself, I'm a referee. Don't look at me or I'll, I'll give you a fine or I'm going to kick you out of the game. Referees suck. 
And yes, I realize it is a hard job. Well, how about you guys just admit that you can't do it? How about that? There's really nothing wrong with that. I just don't think they can do it. I think it's too hard for humans to do. I don't think it's really out of the question to admit that. I think this should be done by robotics or or have it done by the eye in the sky in Toronto because like referees on the ice, it's too hard for them. It's too hard to manage. They clearly can't do it time and time again. Every single week, we are talking about the referees fucking this up, fucking that up, missing that call, missing that call, egregious this, egregious that enough i've had enough with the referees i want them gone i want them out of the game at best you can take those referees we put them off to the side because we are, we're still gonna have fights right so we're gonna have to deal with that so how i think we should deal with that have a group of of whatever skated men or whatever whenever shit goes crazy we send out like the security like five or six of these little referees wearing black and white if they want to they can still wear referee colors and they go out and they break shit up but even that, they get fucking wrong. They still, they break them up too early. They don't let people fight when they should fight. And it's like, oh my God, do the referees do anything correctly in this league? I don't know. I'm asking you because I, I don't think they do. They, every single game, even, it's even gotten to the point now. I can't celebrate a goal in this fucking game anymore because I don't know what is or isn't a goal anymore. I don't know what goaltender interference is. I don't know what interference is. I don't even know what slashing is anymore because... I've seen slashing and they don't call it. So I'm like, what is slashing anymore? I don't know. It's insane. So oh, don't even get me started with suspensions and a lot of shit. The, one of the biggest problems with the NHL is consistency. We don't know what, what like how, why is that a two game suspension? And that's a six game suspension. We have no guideline for any of this shit. They're just riding by the seat of their pants. They're like, oh, I don't know. Let's just do uh, 20 games. Why not? Fuck it. Spin the wheel. Oh, lands on fucking two games. Stupid. Hate this shit. God damn it. Yeah, man, I am completely, as you could tell, very much so fed up with the refereeing in this league. Like, it's, like, back to the goals thing. Like, whenever a goal goes in, like, literally, the last game I watched, when, even when, when Michael Bunting, that goal where he scored and he was the only one celebrating, because, like, everyone in that building, every player on the ice, every person watching around the world was like, I don't know if that's a goal or not. I'm not going to celebrate because time and time again, how many times have I celebrated a goal only for that stupid fucking referee to come over and go, oh, I don't think that's a goal because the the, the, the guy touched the goalie a little bit. And yeah, well, the goalie was touched last week and you didn't call it. So I don't know anymore, man. The game is so painfully inconsistent. I I can't watch a game with my wife because she's a casual fan and trying to explain this game to a casual fan is fucking impossible. Why is that a penalty? I don't know. Why is that not a goal? Honestly, I have no idea. That's how those conversations go down. I have no idea. I don't know what anything is. I don't know what a cross check is because I see cross checks. I see what I think is a cross check, but it doesn't get called. So I don't know. I I didn't know picks were a thing that the the legendary pick from the Montreal series or was that no sorry the Tampa Bay series last year Justin Hall guy just walks into him oh that's an interference call like what the fuck man that is literally called it's a it's an NBA play like why is that not allowed is that is that not allowed I think that should be allowed I think that's insane stupid game it really the nhl does everything in its power to make me hate this game i don't recommend anybody to get into it don't get into hockey not at this point absolutely not not fun to watch i honestly this year has been one of the least fun for me to watch just because of the refereeing man i can't enjoy to watch this game because i don't know what the game is anymore i really do not i don't know <laughs> like every time a call is made i go sure why not like i i don't know why that's a penalty and like the only ones that are kind of clear cut to me are tripping because hey a guy went down there okay but even those ones sometimes those get miscalled sometimes the guy trips himself sometimes the guy like it's not even like you know what i'm saying high sticking forget about it like what the fuck sometimes there's been calls where a guy has hit his own face with his own stick and gets a penalty it's like what the fuck man like i hate reviews in the in the game i don't want the game's already long enough it's two and a half goddamn hours and i don't need these referees 
making it three and a half goddamn hours because they don't know how to call shit. I'm tired of it. I'm very much so tired of it. And it's only going to get worse in the playoffs. Like, that's where it gets even more. We got more eyes than ever on the league at that point. And then the rules change. We fucking, we have two sets of rules in this stupid league. We got the regular season rules and then we have fucking playoff rules. And don't even get me fucking started with the playoff rules because... The Leafs, for years and years and years now, have been watching this shit happen, where the Leafs go into the playoffs, and they're like, oh, okay, um, let's let's see how this go down. The Bruins start elbowing everything, cross-checking everything that moves, fucking just destroying the Leafs. They're like, what the fuck? Nothing's getting called. They're looking at the refs like, what the hell? They're like, oh, playoff hockey, what the hell? Go ahead. And then the Leafs go ahead and do it, and they get fucking suspended for it. It's like, what the fuck? So... If you're a Bruin, you can go ahead and do it. Oh, because that's Bruin hockey. That's how it's done. That's just how the Bruins play. But if the Toronto Maple Leafs want to come back and play Bruin hockey with the Bruins, that's suspension worthy. What What the fuck, man? Oh. So that's been going on for years. The Leafs, like even this year, I feel like they're going to go into the playoffs. They're not going to know how to play because they don't know how the referees are going to call the games. Last year, what? The first fucking eight minutes into the first game, we already got Kyle Clifford getting suspended. We got Wayne Simmons getting kicked out of the game or whatever because they're just trying to set the tone for what the tone has been set against the Leafs in prior seasons. Like, Boston, every time the Leafs have to play Boston, Boston is dirty as fuck with, against the Leafs. Tampa is dirty as fuck. Like, you have to play dirty as fuck, but when the Leafs want to play dirty, no, no, no. The referees say, nope, you're suspended for that. No, Kadri, you're suspended. Get out of here for that. Oh, no. But if he was wearing a Bruins jersey, you better believe that that would have been fine. You better believe that's fine. Unreal. And that goes back to the bias fact, because we all know that the referees hate Nazem Kadri. We've seen it this year in the treatment of Michael Bunting, the way that they treat Michael Bunting, pushing him off of the ice, fucking throwing him out of games, not calling anything against this guy, even though they're clearly, clearly penalties, but because you have animosity towards this player, you don't like him, you're not going to call him. So that shows me you're unprofessional. You should not be refing in the NHL. You're unprofessional. Get the fuck out of here. Oh my god. Okay, so now that my rant is over, I think now we can finally talk a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs, baby. So, uh, they've had a pretty, an okay, kind of an up and down week. The Florida game was pretty fun. That Carolina game, what did I say, man? Like, freaking, last week I was like, every Carolina game, they're pretty darn fun when they play Carolina, and that game was wild, man. Like, even though the Leafs lost in that one, it was, um... Like, Austin Matthews, I don't know if you noticed this, but he had 15 shots in that game. That was out of control. And there's, like, this really weird trend with the Leafs lately in their games where they're, like, getting immensely outshot in the first period or the first 10 minutes of the period. And then all of a sudden they explode and just just outshoot the opponent. I was like, whoa, okay. So they kind of did that in this game against Carolina, but... Kachepkov, man, oh my goodness, that guy was out of control in that game, and of course, like, it happened, uh, <laughs> there was a little bit of a controversial moment there where Matthews, I think it was when Matthews scored, and that's when Bunting was, like, celebrating and everything, they reviewed it, they said it was a good goal, and then it doesn't even matter anyway, Carolina comes right back, scores 32 seconds later, and that trend continues, man. Like, I'm telling you, the best time to score against the Toronto Maple Leafs is when they have just scored a goal because they lose focus, man. Like, when they score, they get all excited. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they lose defensive focus, and then the other team just comes right down and scores a, scores a goal right back on them. And, oh, what a momentum killer. Like, God, that was such a big goal right there. And then, yeah, they just got it right back and yeah that was the end of the game but it was decent I liked that game that was pretty fun and then the they beat uh beat Nashville that was decent I felt a little bit bad for Nashville because like again back to that conversation we had earlier is like is anyone gonna grab that final wild card spot does anybody really want it and I felt like Nashville did want it but then I think with all the injuries they just kind of uh they're just kind of out of luck at this point with all those injuries it's just not fair but that's the NHL baby every team goes through some injuries except for that one year with the Toronto Maple Leafs where they had like no injuries it was kind of unbelievable but don't worry the the NHL gods came back for the Leafs and then they've they've had we've had tons tons of injuries since that season so it's okay we got we got it all back 
But there was one interesting thing that happened in the, the Florida game. So Morgan Riley was a healthy scratch for that one. And I think, like, finally, like, not because he's a bad player or anything, I think it's because he's been hurt all year, man. Like, that's the only thing that I can really uh, put my finger on with what's going on with Morgan Riley this year. And I think he's just been battling injury, battling something all year because he's just a, he's just been a little bit off this year. And I think maybe it's the... He can't get like a he can't get a partner like every time like Keith has been just flipping around his partners all the time like he can't really get a, a really solid person next to him like I really thought TJ Brody was the answer I I really liked him and TJ Brody together I thought that was really good but they just keep switching it up I was I was kind of like wondering if maybe Luke Shen would be the answer beside Morgan Riley because then you can have that defensively responsible guy someone who's going to be back there he's someone who you don't really have to worry about like pinching on the other side and then Morgan Riley can go out and do his thing similar to the way that Luke Shen was a pretty darn good partner for Quinn Hughes in Vancouver because Quinn Hughes can go out there, he can go gallop, and he knows he's got uh, defensively responsible Luke Shen beside him. So uh, my buddy Kyle and I were kind of reminiscing on that. It was like the 70-point, 79-point season or whatever Morgan Riley had. It was like, I think he had like 20 goals or something. And like, man, I remember that season. Like, we were, wow, say like again, why don't you? But Morgan, like, we were, oh my God, I can't stop saying like. Okay, at this point, now it's really a challenge for me not to say that L word right now. But Morgan Riley, that season he did that, we really thought that this was the beginning of of what was going to be Morgan Riley being a 60-70 point defenseman, offensive dynamo, and uh, sadly, it just never really continued onward. That was kind of a, the career year for Morgan Riley, and he hasn't gotten back to that era, and I, I hate to say it, but I think Babcock was a little bit of the Morgan Riley whisperer because he he knew how to use Morgan Riley. I don't, I don't know what it was, but yeah, I, I feel really bad because Morgan Riley's had a bit of a, just a, I wouldn't say a bad season, but he's definitely not up to the standards, I think, for him. He doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem like Morgan Riley this season. So honestly, I, would, I wouldn't be against them sitting him a little bit more on the stretch down towards the playoffs just so he can get a little bit more rest fix up whatever is hurting him I don't know what is hurting him but clearly something is wrong because like Jesus man this is some some of his plays that he's made this year and just defensively he hasn't been the sharpest on the defensive end of it this year so I really I think we all would really like Morgan Riley to just step up a little bit here we really need him to step up his game in the playoffs and and be re responsible defensively and the other conversation now that we're talking about the Toronto defense core what who's going to be the top six going into the playoffs? because now it looks like Lilligren has lost his spot in the lineup which is like you say that to me a few months ago I would have been shocked like more, it felt like Lilligren was a lock on the on the roster like just a few months ago, and then the trade deadline happened. We got a whole bunch of new defensemen coming in, but I don't know. Do you think that Lilligren has lost the confidence at a Keith because all of a sudden he's just he doesn't seem to be a part of that top six? He really doesn't. Uh, Steve Dangle and everybody else seems that he's not going to be in that starting lineup for the playoffs, and that that makes me a little bit sad because I was like, ah, oh, really, I really like Lilligren, but. Like, are we really, is Justin Hall really going to be put in there over Lilligren? I mean, honestly, I haven't been watching the Leaf games as closely as I normally normally do lately. Honestly, I'm just going through a little bit of Leaf Leaf burnout right now with the NHL. Uh, just, I'm just been, I'm just dying for playoff hockey at this point. I think that the season is just too damn long. Like, 82 games is so freaking many games, man. Like, I was a little bit surprised that they were thinking about making the season longer, actually adding in more games, and at least they're, as long as they're taking away those preseason games, thank God. I mean, I don't watch any of the preseason stuff. I'm just not interested. It's just not, just, I'm good. I'll just take the cliff notes for preseason games, and I'll start watching the, the real games. But once, with uh, if, if the Leafs were like a rebuilding team or uh, a team on the rise or something like that, I'd be more interested. But we know who the matchup is. We know they're playing Tampa. We've known this for a long time. And at this point, I'm just I'm just waiting for playoffs. And um, yeah, I, I, God, I can't wait, man. The, the playoffs are going to be bananas. Hopefully we get some really good matchups. The first round is always, I would say it's always my favorite. The first round is always so freaking crazy. And we're getting close, man. We're getting super close. 
Um, upcoming games for Leafs, I know, I think they're playing, what, they're playing Florida tonight or something like that? Let me take a look over here. Let's take a look at that schedule right now. Got the Florida Panthers tonight. It's 7.30, everybody, 7.30, so don't don't worry. Your Leafs will be on. There's going to be a little bit behind tonight, Saturday and Sunday, playing game Ottawa and Detroit back-to-back, so, I mean... Yeah, like I said, man, like those are two teams that are pretty much Dunyan rings right there. Columbus, they're Dunyan rings. Boston, Thursday, that one I would have circled on my calendar. Montreal, just because it's Montreal and it's going to be on a Saturday, so that could be pretty fun. And then Tampa Bay on the 11th. That's going to be a pretty big game right there, especially because they're going to be playing each other, so that could be a little uh, playoff preview right here. And we've seen the, the struggles of the Tampa Bay Lightning over the last little while. Tanner Janot really just hasn't gotten it going there quite yet, but I'm still at the point with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I can't really worry too much uh, about how they're playing in the regular season because we've seen it time and time again that the Tampa Bay Lightning are a team that is capable of just snap, turn it on for the playoff time. And uh, yeah, I think at this point with the Tampa Bay Lightning, they got to be dealing with a little bit of a little bit of that burnout, man. They've had played more hockey than any team in the league over the last three years so at some point the wheels got to start kind of falling off the bus I'm not saying the wheels are falling off the bus for Tampa Bay we'll see in the playoffs I still like I'm not 100% confident that the Leafs can take down Tampa I think it's going to be a phenomenal series and um, I, I like the way that the Leafs have been playing over this year because I'll say it time and time again I think one of the biggest things that uh, was the difference maker in that in that series last year, Tampa versus the Leafs, was shot blocking. And this year, we've seen it in Austin Matthews. I think he took that, like, he really took that. Like, he noticed that in that series. And I, I noticed it a lot. Like, I thought the biggest difference was the amount of shot blocking that Tampa Bay was willing to do. And the Leafs last year, they just weren't willing to do as many shot blockings as, as was needed in a playoff run. And this year... With Matthews leading uh, the league in forwards at points and blocking shots, I mean, I've seen more blocked shots out of out of other players. I mean, I mean, Marner, he's just good defensively. Like he'll block a shot. He ain't scared to block a shot. And uh, yeah, man, it's uh, oh my god, we're getting so close to the playoffs. Oh, it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. And um, LA Kings over there, absolutely on fire. That's kind of my sleeper pick going out through the West right here. So. We'll see, man. It looks like the Western, uh, those Western teams are starting to ramp up a little bit, getting ready for uh, playoffs. Excuse me. All right, everybody, and I think that will be the episode for today. Thank you so much for watching. You have been fantastic. If you want some more of me for some reason, you can go down, check out the link down below, and go check out my YouTube channel, GamerGX Videos. I'm playing Detroit Become Human over there right now, so go over there, give that a check out, and there's so many more other YouTube videos on that channel. I've done Let's Plays, Resident Evil, Heavy Rain, Nintendo games, you name it. Go over there, give it a check, and uh, let me know what you think you can also follow me on twitter if you'd like if you want to send in any questions related to hockey video games or wrestling send in a question for the podcast i can answer it live for you on on the on the show and uh interact with you and all that great stuff It'd be a lot of fun you can go back and check out this month or la just this past monday's episode of the gx GamerCast. i went back in time and looked at super castlevania 4 has been a game on my on my on my list for a very long time so i finally got to go through that game and if you want to listen to my experiences with it for the first time you can go back and listen to that episode saturday we're going to be doing the wrestling recap show wrestlemania baby is this freaking weekend oh my goodness so it is going to be a big one for me I'm going to be watching wrestlemania going to be reviewing wrestlemania night one and two i don't know if it's going to be two separate podcasts or i'm going to bundle it up into one super wrestlemania podcast and there'll be a big old review for that and there's also going to be i think it's stand and deliver nxt pay-per-view as well so i am Oh my goodness, it's going to be overloaded this this weekend. It is actually my birthday this weekend, so I'm a, I'm a WrestleMania baby, so I think it was destined for me to uh, to talk about wrestling at some point in my life. So, uh, yeah, it's going... Oh, I'm so excited to watch WrestleMania, man. So, after WrestleMania, I'm going to be doing uh, a big award show for wrestling. going to be giving out a whole bunch of awards for, for wrestling throughout uh, AEW and WWE 
wrestler of the year, female wrestler of the year, worst wrestler of the year, stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of fun and uh, look forward to doing that show sometime uh, after WrestleMania. I, I don't know how crazy this is going to be in terms of workload for me. I don't know how much it's going to be, so I'm not going to put any dates on anything. So just be on the lookout. Stay stay tuned with this podcast. It's going to be really busy over the next month. We got NHL playoffs or a couple weeks away, WrestleMania is this weekend, and video games are forever, so there's always going to be video games to talk about, so if you're interested in that kind of stuff, stick around with this podcast, and again, if you've been here throughout the whole thing, thank you so much for listening, you're fantastic, and as always, well, before I say the word, the thing, you have yourself a great day, alright? You be good, you keep your nose clean, and as always, go Leafs, go!